0: having a seat, Uh, Pastor Kurt just talked about the liturgical art that we have with Pentecost, and we actually kept this up from last Sunday, and remembering what we celebrated for Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to look at this art, and let this lead us in prayer as we begin, and also let it be an introduction for us as we move into 1 John, because the beauty of this is that the God who created all things and has come in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, is with us now, this coming down of God's very presence. Jesus we cannot see, but Jesus is with us. God we cannot see, God is with us in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. First John is going to be talking about other spirits. There's caution here, there's a warning. Test the spirits. There is a spirit of antichrist, but also you will hear in this letter an assurance that this spirit that God has sent that is in us is greater than the spirit of antichrist, the spirit that is in the world. I want us to begin with a breath prayer that I learned from Father Gregory Boyle. He learned it from his homeboys, (laughs) the gang members that he does ministry with, and it's a simple phrase. The phrase is, you in me, you breathe that in, and then when you breathe out, me in you. So I invite you to close your eyes, and when you breathe in, just breathe in, you in me. And as you breathe out, me in you. It's this invitation of the spirit of the living God, you in me as you breathe in, and breathing out me in you. Let yourself do that several times as we prepare to hear God's word. confident that God is eager to be with us, to fill us. We move now to God's Word. God is eager to speak to us. If you have a Bible, either on your phone or some accessible way, I invite you to open it because we're also going to look at the very end of the sentences that are parentheses around this passage, which I think is part of the reassurance of what 1 John is saying. 1 John 4, verses 1 through 12, listen to God's word to you. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, whoever knows God listens to us, And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. So before we close this scripture, look at the sentence immediately preceding our passage. John writes, by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. And look at the sentence right after our passage. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit, this parenthesis, this hug of reassurance, God's spirit has come, God's spirit lives in us, God's spirit is greater than the spirit of antichrist in the world. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So here we are on this holiday weekend and it's supposed to get really hot, really hot. So I think people, a lot of people are going to head to the beach and all up and down the coast I'm sure people will be jumping into that very frigid water and swimming away as if it wasn't freezing. One of the things about swimming in the ocean, and many of you know this, is that great caution that in so many places there is an undertow. How many of you have been stuck in an undertow? It sneaks up on you and it's scary because it's hidden You can't see it, you're having a great time swimming in the ocean, all of a sudden you are further and further away from the shore, then when you realize that you're further and further away and try to come in, it's really hard to do that because this undertow is taking you out. I have the sense that John is saying to the church, there is a strong undertow in your midst and it's moving you away from the heart of your faith. And for that particular time in history, that undertow, the very popular way of thinking, the philosophy of the day, was an early form of what's called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a kind of a Greek way of thinking where they treasured the spiritual realm, they treasured what was mystical and holy. But the stuff of earth, just the the messy stuff of the flesh, the physical body, the world, That was not treasured, it was shunned, it was denied, and so what you wanted in your spiritual life was really to be elevated above the stuff of the earth, the physical stuff. So they were taking the the good news of Jesus, and they were getting rid of the flesh and blood parts of it, the mess of sin, Jesus's crucifixion, and they were taking the parts that fit with the dominant philosophy of the day and aligned their faith with that. So it's very hidden, very powerful, causing them to drift away from the uniqueness of who Jesus is and their witness. So we hear this caution, we hear this warning. Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And also we hear this great reassurance that the one who is in you is greater than this undertow, greater than the spirit of Antichrist. One of Trinity's core values that we articulated several years ago is this. In the context of all the pressures of life in the Silicon Valley, our desire is to align our everyday lives with the way of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I love that. And as you look at that, and as we hear that, you can almost hear that there's the threat of an undertow, right? All the pressures of life in Silicon Valley. and my friends, that threat is not just outside the church, it's also in the church. And that's what First John was trying to tell, and first and second and third, John, actually, that it can take us in the opposite direction this sudden or this very subtle hidden drift toward aligning ourselves with the dominant philosophy that's around us, rather than aligning our lives with who Jesus Christ is. I was talking with a friend this last week. We had lunch together. She actually spends part of her time in Southern California, part of her time up here in the Bay Area, worships with one church when she's down there, worships up here. We were talking about church. Talking about what's going to happen for me as I move toward retirement and where will I be worshiping, which is a really good question. And just talking about what we value in churches and um, what's important to us. I was surprised to hear her say in her church community, she's in a small group and she's finding that most of them are moving away from Christianity in her small group in the church that they are speaking more and more negatively about their Christian faith and speaking. She's, she's very supportive of learning from different faith traditions. She doesn't have a problem with that, but she doesn't want to let go of the core of our faith tradition and who we are in Jesus Christ. And we were talking about why that was true or why she thought that was true. She wasn't quite sure. Maybe the negative depiction of evangelical Christianity, maybe it feels anti-intellectual to believe that God really came in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, that he was crucified and um, atoned for our, our sins. But when she was talking, it was just making me mindful of our passage and this hidden, powerful undertow that takes our faith and wants to align it with what sounds right to the world. She was talking about how they feel more comfortable talking about the tenets of Buddhism that, found, that sounds more right and is more aligned. Warning, test of the spirits. Beware of the spirit of antichrist that takes us away from the good news embodied in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I was attending a conference. It was a contemplative conference up at Lake Tahoe, a five day conference, and they had a speaker. We always have a speaker in the morning and then small groups and worship in the afternoon later in the day. And the speaker this time was Dr. Fred Luskin. Dr. Fred Luskin very well known at Stanford, I think he's retired, but at the time he was in charge of the Forgiveness Project and has written several books on forgiveness. And so he came to speak on forgiveness. It was unusual to have him come because it was a Christian conference and he is Jewish. By the end of the week when he spoke at the last worship service, I was so amazed to hear him speak and to talk about how impressed he is with Jesus. Jesus on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Saying that to the very ones who have crucified him. Hearing him speak with complete awe and reverence, genuinely impressed, more impressed with any other illustration and example of forgiveness he's ever seen in all the work he's done on forgiveness. It was so powerful to see how deeply moved he was in a way that I think caused the rest of us who are very familiar with this story to be freshly moved ourselves. That this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is what the spirit of God affirms in us and the spirit of the Antichrist, or not the Antichrist, but spirit of Antichrist denies. The God who loves us like that. I think for many of us, this is our favorite way of talking about God and giving witness about God and many people love this. If you read the rest of the chapter, first chapter four, this is a wonderful chapter talking about who God is and the love of God. But even here, my friends, this undertow can be at work. Years ago, Mother Teresa came to New York City for a visit and there was a particular priest who was given the privilege of being her host uh, in the day and a half that she was gonna be in town. He was thrilled He imagined himself having these long conversations with her and somehow some of her goodness would rub off on him. But it turned out that in that day and a half, he never got one minute alone with her. She was out with people, caring for them, praying with them, being interviewed by others, going to prayer breakfast, she was busy the whole time. But then he got permission from his bishop to fly with her back to India. So he he told her that he had that permission, he was going to fly with her, and that he was hoping she would let him sit uh, next to her on the plane. Because he really wanted, as he told her, to learn more about her insights and just somehow have her love for the poor somehow have an impact on him. And as he was talking with her, she stopped him and she said, my son, can you afford the price, the plane tickets to India? He said, oh yes, I can afford that. She said, okay, I want you to take me very seriously here. Take what you would have spent on that plane ticket and give it to the poor. And you will learn more, far more, about the Lord Jesus Christ, than I could ever teach you on the plane ride. He was attracted to the loving. He was attracted to the learning. He was attracted to the influence of this amazing saint. But the doing? Jesus is all about the doing. Test the spirits. No one has ever seen God, John writes. If we love one another the way he loves us, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. I want to share with you the way this came home for me this past week. Several of us are taking a class with the Presbytery. It's a, it's a long class, <laughs> several months, and it's learning about racial healing, and there's homework. And our homework assignment before this last class was to listen to an episode of This American Life. This is Ira Glass telling stories or interviewing, and this particular episode was called The Problem We All Face. That's a fascinating uh, episode, and I want to tell you just one piece of it that came up in our class last week. So the story was about a school district in Missouri, and this school district in Missouri is predominantly poor, predominantly black, and there's a high school in that school district called Normandy High School. And the state of Missouri is what gives accreditation to the schools and this particular high school was only provisionally accredited because its academic levels were so low in terms of what it was providing for the students. And not only was it provisionally accredited one year, it was provisionally accredited for 14 years in a row. Black students there at the high school that wanted to get a better education one student found out that she could not go to another better high school unless she paid $20,000 of tuition to get into another high school. Well, one year, 2013, the school was not accredited at all. By law, they had to allow for the students in this high school to go to an accredited high school. So they decided, that this school that was 30 miles away, they would allow these black students to go to that accredited high school, James Howell High School. Well, this was announced to the parents and the students at James Howell High School just a week later, and you can imagine, they were none too happy about this, so they had a town meeting, and there were 3,000 people that showed up to this town meeting. And the parents were expressing their their rage, their anger, how upset they were, basically the fact that they did not want these black students in their school. They were talking about the violence that would come into the school, how the test scores would be lowered, the drugs that would come into the school, that people would start moving out of the area. In fact, they already knew people who were thinking about doing that. And there was one person in that crowd. It was a black student from Normandy High School, she and her mother, who were so thrilled, for them it was an answer to prayer that they were going to be allowed to go to this better high school. So they came to the town meeting, and she got in the queue, in the line, to go up and to speak, but it was so intimidating that she sat back down, and she didn't say anything. During our class last week, our black facilitator, talked about this town meeting and noticed that nobody stood up, nobody stood up to speak on behalf of the black students and the needs of the black students. And so he asked us to imagine ourselves at that meeting. Place yourself there, he said, and what do you notice? And after having us just recall the intensity of that meeting and what it would be like to be there, here we were in this class where we're trying to learn solidarity to stand with those who are suffering from systemic racism. And he said this, being present is not solidarity. Knowledge is not solidarity. Solidarity is the kind of unity that costs you something. That was a testing for me, I have to say, because being present works for me. Learning and gaining more knowledge, that works for me. But being willing to stand up and speak out against systemic racism when it costs me something, that would be really hard in that setting, that would have been really, really hard. Test the spirits and see whether they are from God. What I appreciated about this class last week is that he began and ended it, just like with our passage in 1 John, with this reminder that we are filled with the spirit of Jesus. This is who lives in us. We've been given the spirit of Jesus, his in the flesh sacrificial love. The one who is in you is greater than the spirit of Antichrist that wants to be aligned with what is popular and not the costly love way of Jesus. In the context of all the pressures of life in the Silicon Valley, Our desire is to align our everyday lives with the way of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who gives us that desire. And it's Jesus' spirit that will give us the power to live it out, always aware that there's an undertow. There is the spirit of antichrist but it is no match for Jesus. I want us to close in prayer the same way we began in prayer, with this breath prayer. Once again, inviting you to close your eyes and to breathe in, speaking to Jesus, you in me, and as you breathe out to pray, me in you. Breath by breath, breathing in you in me and breathing out me in you. Amen.